Welcome to EdFund Teachable Moments. I'm Patricia Maldonado. Now, as you know, this is a podcast produced by the Education Fund. And each week we highlight a different program and a different service that the Education Fund offers. And we also like to highlight partners and funders. So this week, because of the COVID-19 crisis, we uh, are going to continue our conversation about how the Education Fund has adjusted its programs to provide needed supplies, services, and food to teachers, students, and the community. And to do that, um, the Education Fund has turned its school supply warehouse, the Ocean Bank Center for Educational Materials, into a key distribution point in the local supply chain in Miami-Dade County. Local nonprofits pick up what they need for the people they serve. Uh, And we're grateful to donors like Kids in Need Foundation for keeping our shelves stocked. So this week, joining us on Teachable Moments is Corey Gordon, CEO of Kids in Need. Welcome, Corey. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for letting me on here. No, we're really, really happy. You've been keeping us very busy down here in Miami. Um, Because of all the materials that you guys have been sending, um, dozens and dozens of nonprofits have stopped by the Ocean Bank Center and they couldn't be more grateful. Actually, they, um, you know, there's uh, homeless shelters, uh, homes for kids, um, uh, a homeless shelter called Camilla's house, which, which serves uh, like 400 people. They have a home for 400 people and then they have different programs. They received over $40,000 worth of supplies in just one week. And that was, I think in large part to the stuff that, you know, kids in need foundation provided. So tell us a little bit about what kids in need uh, offers and what it does normally. Sure. So the kids in need foundation, we, our basic premise is, really around helping under-resourced teachers and students across the country. So these are uh, areas where there's a higher percentage of free and reduced lunch enrollment, where uh, we believe that um, the teachers are having to spend too much money out of their own pockets to resource their classrooms and their support their students, as well as students who don't have the supplies they need to be in school and to stay in school. So we work with organizations like the Education Fund there in Miami-Dade County, where they're able to work directly with these teachers and students to ensure that uh, the teachers can teach and the kids can learn and uh, stay in school. And so it's wonderful to be able to work with organizations like the Education Fund and the work, great work that they're doing at a grassroots level to make sure that these under-resourced students and teachers uh, have the resources they need each day. Now, as I mentioned at the start, you know, the Education Fund has adjusted its programming to um, to respond to the crisis. There's so many people in need. There are, you know, teachers who need materials um, to provide uh, distance, uh, distance learning. There's kids that don't have materials at home that they would have in their classrooms. And, um, and then there are people in the community that need some basic supplies. So how has Kids in Need Foundation adjusted the work it does to, um, to respond to the COVID-19 crisis? We've done two things. Typically, we work closely with schools and provide uh, materials and supplies and resources directly to the schools. Mm-hmm. And given schools are closed now, uh, we are working with school districts across, across the country where 
We're working with their distribution sites, as well as allowing schools that are within uh, uh, geographic uh, distance to one of our resource centers, the ability to come on, pick up resources as well. And so that's where uh, shifting gears with what how the education fund has done as well in terms of, of schools and teachers being able to pick up supplies that they can go out to their students or even bus routes where uh, our supplies are being provided at locations where the buses are able to uh, pick up supplies along with food that they can go out to the students. And then the type of supplies that we're providing as well. So ensure that, uh, you know, as we are focused on helping the digital divide, kids mm -hmm. that are not able to necessarily do distance education just on the computers, but making sure that all the types of supplies that they would need as if they were sitting in a classroom are made available for them as well. So listen closely to what the teachers are telling us as far as what they need to be ensured that their students can continue receiving an education during these challenging times. Right. And, and you know, so what are some of those different supplies that you're seeing? Like we know that at the, at the Ocean Bank Center, I mean, obviously people laugh at it about the fact that there's not enough toilet paper or paper towels, but that seems to be what people want. And, you know, the Ocean Bank Center has that. What, how I mean, I know you're providing learning supplies. What are some of the other things that you're finding that the districts and the schools uh, want and have requested? Sure. When we consider uh, supplies and resources that underserved teachers and students need, it really is a broader gamut than just core school supplies. Clearly, those are important, right. but we look at more broadly in terms of what do schools and teachers need for their classrooms and their students, and then what do students need to help them be in school or get an education. So absolutely, it includes products like pens, paper, pencils, calculators, crayons, depending on how old the kids are, but also basic hygiene products. So yes, toilet paper, paper towels, uh, feminine hygiene kits for middle school and high school girls who don't have those resources. And the list goes on to include sanitizers, toothpaste, toothbrushes, whatever it may yeah. need typically that the teachers and schools are requesting, especially when they're helping kids that are in like homeless mm -hmm. shelters or temporary housing. What are the basic essentials that the kids may need in, in that setting? Yeah, and as I mentioned, um, the Education Fund has been working with the homeless shelter, uh, Camilla's House, and they're, you know, they're very grateful for those basic uh, necessities that they that they need for their clients um, of all ages. Actually, they they work with kids and families and teens and then adults. And um, they've been very, very grateful. I mean, they, the interesting thing about them is that they actually prepared for um, the COVID-19 crisis. They were well equipped with all the masks and gloves and uh, cleaning products and special tools. But um, they found that as, you know, the lockdowns extend, that they need some of the basic supplies for their residents and even people who, you know, come in, in and out on a daily basis. Um, so how do you get these supplies? How are you able to uh, provide? Because I know the, the Education Fund is receiving shipments regularly. How do you, where do you get these things from? Because it's hard. There's a huge demand out there. Correct. There is a huge demand. And we're fortunate to work with uh, quite a network of large corporations that provide and manufacture and retail sales these types of products. So we'll get significant donations of products. 
we have uh, uh, generous uh, donations from individuals who are able to do either supply drives or provide cash mm -hmm. for us to be able to then take these products and then ship them and deliver them to different locations, as well as then sometimes purchase uh, key, particularly key products that we may that may be requested that we need to send out that we're not able to get donated. So it's through a combination of uh, generous donors that are providing products as well as cash to help uh, the operations and logistics of moving these products from different locations. Yeah, I was going to ask you how, you know, how many groups are you working with like the education fund around the country? Well, as Kids in Need Foundation itself, we have a network of 43 resource centers mm -hmm. across the U.S. And the Education Fund is one of our key resource centers you know, in a you know, particularly um, a hard-hit area like Miami-Dade County, where there's so many mm -hmm. students that are on the free and reduced national program. So uh, that's very central to the way we operate. So with 43 locations, and then in areas where we don't have resource centers, uh, we will work with other organizations, uh, such as um, the YMCA, that may have mm -hmm. programs that are assisting underserved students. But throughout the country as well, we do work uh, directly with schools and school districts. That's really that's really amazing. I like on a. Do you keep track on the numbers of kids and teachers you um, you impact on an annual basis? Yes. Yeah, so uh, you know, like in 2019, we were able to work with over 250,000, close to 300,000 teachers across the U.S., as well as a little over six million. That students. that's pretty amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing. And has the be, since the start of the the lockdowns in March, has the demand? Um, we know that the man, the demand for products has has changed because of what the needs are. But is it greater? Is it? Are you seeing? more requests or is it pretty much level? No, it's actually been an increase uh, in both the demand and also kind of the challenges faced. So uh, the demand side has been increased because uh, there's in some markets, products are more right. scarce or the prices have increased. And teachers are, you know, typically spend anywhere from one to two paychecks every single school year buying supplies for their classrooms and their students. And so the teachers are telling us that they are completely, completely out of all types of products that they would normally reserve to help their students because of the challenging times everybody has. And with families now unemployed, right. you know, there, there's even a greater lack of ability to purchase products for the kids, right? So the demand definitely has increased. And so uh, it's uh, and then the other challenge is that organizations are closed. So, uh, you know, because of the different lockdowns across the country and the concerns that some people have about being out and open, so to speak, uh, we don't have as many uh, uh, organizations that are able to do the scope of the outreach they normally do. So the fact that the education fund is continuing to be open and continuing to serve the community is tremendous. So it's really it's so then we can at Kids in Need Foundation we assess you know where is the where are the needs the greatest and who is able to meet those needs and how do we get the product to them so that the the mission can continue moving forward as the education fund is doing there in Miami. So do you do you foresee that um, uh, Kids in Need Foundation will have to continue along this same um, new path, kind of adjusted path, just even when schools open up, because obviously, you know, things are not going to be exactly the way they were. Correct. We will be operating in a, uh, you know, 
a hybrid model, if you will, uh, for the foreseeable future, because nothing that we're seeing across the country would indicate that, you know, things will just revert back right. to normal, quote unquote, uh, once school starts. So there will be uh, variations of how school is being done. And from everything we can tell, it would appear that it's going to be probably a continued combination of both schools being opened to an extent, but also supporting distance education right. as well. So we will need to live in kind of this duality and be able to serve these teachers and students in that kind of duality moving so forward. So if um, I know that despite the, the need and the situation that practically all communities are facing uh, in the U.S., there, there are people who want to volunteer and they want to help. What are things that they can do to support uh, the Kids in Need Foundation? There's two things that they can do. One is if people who are near one of our resource centers, like the education mm-hmm. fund, uh, there's always a need to, for people to take product in as well as them be able to uh, prepare product mm-hmm. to go out. So whether they're, you're putting it in kits or in boxes, you know, uh, assembling backpacks, all those types of work is still needed very much across right. the country. The, the other thing people can do is, uh, you know, as we're looking at the products that need to go to these students and teachers is supply drives that are specific to the type of products that that, that are being needed. And, you know, for many of these underserved uh, students, you know, the reality is they are going without basic supplies and essentials. So making sure that uh, those types of supplies are being provided, that's another great way that people can support uh, the mission today. And And how about if someone wanted to donate? Maybe they said, you know, they wanted to donate um, cash. Um, is that something that they can easily do on your website? Absolutely. It's kinf.org, or standing for Kids in right. Foundation. And uh, there's, a, there's a link to the COVID response that gives people an opportunity to know what they can do today to support these underserved uh, teachers. and. So I, that was the final question I think I had is really about funding. Um, you know, uh, Working with the education fund, I see what the needs are and I hear about it and they're, um, you know, everyone's scrambling, but there are all these opportunities as well, because a lot of people, a lot of companies want to give. What are you seeing in terms of funding from uh, donors and different corporations? Are they stepping up? Are they pulling back? Is it staying the same? No, we definitely have seen a decrease in terms of funding because many people and co- companies, they're, are, they're closed or they're very concerned about what the future might look like or the, the duration of when the lockdowns and uh, changes, you know. And so because of that, the people are uh, being hesitant to provide the funding that they may have in the past. There are some companies who, you know, because of the type of work that they do, they're actually busier right. than ever, but because they are so focused on just the sheer demand that is needed today, they may not be able to take the step back to think about, okay, what about the philanthropy and giving back to the community like they typically may. So now that we've got the back to school seasons that will be coming up in here in another month, and you know the busy June, July, August time period, our hope is that that will kind of help spur everybody to realize, you know what, times are tough, but teachers still need to teach, yeah. students still need to learn. 
And so because of that, we need to continue supporting education for those who are disparately impacted. And the hope is that, you know, with that back to school reminder season, if you will, that uh, the giving and the support will resume back to what would be. You know, what I've noticed is that people, the community at large, the public, the general public has become more aware of the impact teachers have. Um, you, you know, you hear stories every day of parents, you know, realizing I had no idea, you know, now that they're at home with their kids all the time and having to help them with schoolwork more than they've ever had to in the past, they recognize the work that teachers have done. And maybe moving forward, this will be a, you know, a good thing that's come out of it. Yes, the, there's a growing recognition. You know, this is uh, the final day of Teacher Appreciation Week, you know, a national time to recognize the value of teachers right. and, uh, and honor them. And significant, significant awareness of the work and value of teachers and the challenges that they are facing today. And so uh, there is a, uh, and that has definitely something that has bolstered the, the mission that we have in terms of let's support these teachers. I mean, how many people would typically give one to two paychecks to buy supplies right. for their job if that's what teachers do every school year? I know, it's pretty amazing. Now, um, I've run out of questions, but I wanted to give you one final chance to add anything extra and tell everyone again your, uh, your website. Sure, it's www.kinf.org. And right on the homepage, you'll see a link for uh, COVID response, but then also ideas of what you can do to help uh, support teachers, help support these students, not only just for today, but as going forward so that we can continue to ensure a great organization such as the education fund can continue to receive the supplies needed to help the teachers and students within their communities. Well, thank you so much, Corey, for joining us on Teachable Moments and uh, keep those shipments coming. Uh, you know, I just, you know, saw we take photographs and we do videos of all the people who come by the warehouse and, you know, it's a, it's a constant stream. In fact, the education fund is working with uh, dozens of nonprofits they've never worked with before in the past. Um, and people are, you know, recognizing the work that they do and this incredible resource that they never knew really was available and had been only available to public school teachers. So um, it's really opened up the community and, um, and people are working together more. So thank you so much for everything you're doing for our community and around the country. Well, thank you, Patricia. Alrighty, take care, and we'll be back next week with another show and another episode of Teachable Moments. Take care.